It's Monday, June 29th, 2020. I'm Tanya Harris, and welcome to TMI Daily, your daily roundup of everything people are talking about online since they aren't allowed to talk about it in person. This morning, Iran filed an arrest warrant for Donald Trump in response to the drone killing of Iranian General Qasem Soleimani. Although it's impossible to be enforced, we thought, well, here you go. Just uh, call ahead to make sure he's not out golfing. Today, in a 5-4 decision, the Supreme Court struck down a restrictive Louisiana abortion law that requires doctors performing the procedure to have hospital privileges. This is a major blow to the Trump administration, which is one abortion we really hope takes place in the fall. Trump tweeted multiple times on Sunday that he never saw intelligence information accusing Russia of paying bounties for the deaths of American soldiers in Afghanistan. If true, this once again reinforces the claim that there is a serious lack of intelligence in the White House. After weeks of avoiding the topic, on Sunday, Vice President Mike Pence said, quote, wearing a mask is just a good idea. Maybe he finally realized that wearing a mask is no worse than having a beard. Right, mother? Due to the ongoing coronavirus crisis, Americans will be banned from traveling to Europe once the EU reopens on July 1st. Let's just hope that these restrictions are lifted by November when some of us might want to move there permanently. Kelly Clarkson thanked her estranged husband and manager after her talk show won a Daytime Emmy Award. If thanking your exes for their help with your work becomes a thing, Taylor Swift's next acceptance speech is going to be a bitch to have to sit through. Over the past two days, Facebook has seen a $60 billion loss in value due to multiple advertisers pulling ad campaigns from the social media giant. This is in protest of its lack of oversight in regards to hate speech. As much as this may be a financial setback for the company, they still have an election coming up that Russia could make up a lot of the difference in. Costco has decided to temporarily stop selling their very popular half-sheet cakes during the pandemic, given that these cakes are mostly associated with large gatherings. As much as this might affect your next get-together, please, out of anger, don't falsely accuse Costco of being full of sheet. You get it. Sheet. Moving on, Broadway has officially decided to stay dark through the end of the year. This effectively silences Hamilton, the only founding father no one seems to have a problem with these days. Dr. Dre's wife, Nicole Young, has filed for divorce. Just another example of the high failure rate of marriages in the medical community. Now, let's send it over to tonight's TMI Daily Cast and Crew Roundtable. Stay safe. Hi, everyone, and welcome to another week of TMI Daily. I'm Veronica Aiello, and as always, I'm joined by some of our family members from TMI Hollywood. Let's say hello to all our online viewers and those listening to our podcast at home. Let's start with you, Joe. Hello! A new life awaits on the off-world colonies. (laughs) Jess. Hello, online viewer. Why don't you go subscribe? And just so you know, the days that you weren't on, we were still telling people to subscribe you know, to subscribe to you. Yeah. So. Oh, man. This is true. <laughs> Shayna. Hello. Meg. Hi, guys. Chris. Hello, and I'm seriously thinking about joining Space Force because I'm ready to leave. Emma. Hey, y'all. How you doing? Natalia. 
Hello, good vibes to everybody. That's my good thoughts signal. Hi everyone, and this is Persephone. She's just listening to my lap right now. Okay, we have a lot to talk about today, so let's get started. Back in early June, when Twitter decided to flag as hate speech, Donald Trump's tweets, calling for violence against protesters by military officers, Facebook did nothing. In fact, Facebook CEO Mark Zuckerberg said that the platform would continue to do nothing involving the president because they did not want to weigh into politics, which is something Facebook clearly has been firmly in the middle of since its inception and even more so since Trump became, since Trump began his presidential campaign back in 2015. Since their refusal to do anything about Trump's messaging, both internally, company employees have raised concerns over the social network's neutrality policy and externally organizations like Stop Hate for Profit have called for a boycott of Facebook. This has been increasingly effective as in the last week, Facebook has lost almost $2 billion in ad dollars from companies like Coke, Verizon, HP, Starbucks, and Unilever. And their stock price has lost over $60 billion in value in two days. Is the fact that advertisers boycotting the right way to try and force a company like Facebook to change its policies? Yeah. Well, you know, um, I, I'm surprised Jess didn't raise his hand first because one of his favorite, favorite things to say, and something I totally agree with him with, is to vote with your dollars. So that's what a lot of companies are doing. If they don't like the, their situation, they're going to pull their dollars out. Unfortunately, I, I just looked at the stock prices earlier before we went up, and it's they're back up 2% today. So I don't know exactly how much that's actually doing. The companies that have pulled out um, are on the lower half of their top 100 advertisers. Uh, so unless we're seeing some bigger companies going around, I don't see Facebook doing too many changes yet. I would like to see them do some changes, uh, but I don't think that what's happening right now is enough to really make uh, uh, Mark and his team change stuff yet. Uh, especially since at the end of the day today, the stock went up. It didn't go up a lot, but two percent on their kind of money is still pretty good. So, Chris. Okay. Well, my whole thing is is like. You know, these advertisers are pulling away from Facebook, but it's like, what are y'all doing as companies yourselves? You know what I'm saying? Like, are, 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 are you just pulling out for a political move or are you actually standing for something? You're just pulling your, your money away so you can kind of seem like, you know, you being neutral or whatever the case may be. And it, to me, that kind of makes y'all look like little bitches straight up. You know what I mean? Like, there's all kind of like the, the whole thing of social media, every platform from TikTok to, to, to uh, Twitter, Instagram, uh, uh, YouTube, like all these things are social. like, it's for people to speak their minds. And you can't just be like, well, if you guys don't remove this, what we don't like, we're going to pull away. Well, now you're just acting like little bitches. So I, I don't know. I mean, I guess they are going to lose some money in that, in that regards, but like, you're not going to stop Facebook. Facebook is going to be an entity as long as social media is an entity and that's all the social media goes away. There's no way Facebook is going to be that affected by it, that. It'll, that it'll stop or, or change its policy. Like they can't be losing that much money. Okay. Jess. Yeah. The valuation is pretty much meaningless. They are a juggernaut and they're smart enough to diversify. Like they have Snapchat and Instagram. They own social media. Like mm-hmm. they even, they even uh, kill Google, like Google plus. Does anybody know what that is? Yeah. It's because it failed. 
<laughs> they beat the internet. Um, as far as as far as uh, people, as far as advertisers boycotting Facebook, it's not really the advertisers that are boycotting. It's that it's the uh, what what's the name of that movement? The Ah, we just had it up, the Stop the Hate for Profit movement. Awesome. It's basically the mob. And, and I know nobody wants to say it, but at this point, all these movements, including Black Lives Matter, are slowly becoming political movements. They're not about justice. They're about mob rule. And that's exactly what is happening. That's why every single corporation, whether they like it or not, is jumping on the bandwagon. That's why like, I open a battlefield to play on the PlayStation. It's like, oh, before you play, Black Lives Matter. Dude, I'm playing video games to try to get away from all this political nonsense. Why is it? Why am I constantly fucking inundated with it? So this is just an example of mob, mob rule, and it's very dangerous. And I applaud Facebook for standing up because if they want to be a platform, they should support all speech. If they want to be a publisher, then they should pick and choose. Okay. So then my follow-up question was then, um, is this a knee-jerk reaction to the current political climate in the country due to the weeks of upheaval and protests since the death of George Floyd? Best. Yeah, you know, and, and honestly, it kind of diminishes like Black Lives Matter and all these movements that started with a good purpose because now people, it's like a pet project for like white suburbanites. Like, oh, look at me, I'm out protesting and I'm uh, putting a black profile picture on my thing, you know? Police brutality and all these problems have been here a long time. And all of a sudden, now that people are getting paid to stay home, they've got a lot of extra time on their hands. And it's really easy uh, to feel good about yourself when you're virtue signaling. I definitely think it's all a knee-jerk reaction. And like, it's actually kind of a bit offensive because you know that once things go back to you know, whatever the new normal is, it's going to get swept up uh, under the rug and people are going to forget about the real issues that are out there. Okay. Anybody else, Chris? Yeah, actually, I was kind of going to piggyback on what Jeff said. Like, low-key, it is, it is an insult because, like, it doesn't seem authentic. You know what I mean? Especially if you're – because it seems like a lot of these companies and shit like that are, are, are trying to cover their bottom line. And so they're, 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 they're taking these stances and they're putting up the banners and, like, you know, uh, putting on, like, you know, Black educational movies and things of that nature. It's like, all right, that's cool. But, like, what are you going to do after that? Because when we are going back to normal – are those banners still going to be up? Are you still going to be donating money to the cause? Are you still going to be, you know, making sure that there's diversity in your, in your, in your offices and your corporations, or are you just putting this up right now to profit off of what's really going on right now? And then as soon as you make some of the money you might've lost when this pandemic first started back are then you're done. You know what I mean? Like, it's like, Hey, I, 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 it's like the same thing of like, you know, you see somebody put up the black square on Instagram. It's like, I put up my black square. We good. Right. Like that's all I needed to do. Like I got my black square. So are you just black squaring or are you really about the shit? That's what I'm trying to figure out. So you kind of actually answered my other question that I had was, is this a sustainable thing or is this going to fade away as people move on to the next? It, it, it can be a sustainable thing. It absolutely can. And it should be to a certain extent. But you also, here's the thing too, on both sides, like, or at least, especially on the side, you know, if you're about justice and stuff like that, you got to keep your eye on the ball. Cause I think a lot, like, I think some people, are, are kind of skewering away from the point that that was initially being trying to made and trying to start their own agendas in places that we don't need you mm -hmm. know what I mean and and there's also a lot of things that are being done which have nothing to do with what we've what you know the movies have been asking for like having characters be played by black people is not what we asked for it's great don't get me wrong like we're cool like yes it's great that we're getting this work and the entertainment business is trying to change but like 
what about what about what about police brutality though or or, or what about these racist monuments that we still got to look up to and, and these racist schools that we got to go to what about changing the and what about you know the education reforms and shit like that and, and teaching us the true history about how america profited off of 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 tyranny and 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 subjugation what about that shit not just and i'm not talking about you know a month of this shit i'm talking about true education from start to finish none of that shit is happening right now nobody's even talking about that because you know they're trying to the little pieces the little bitty things like oh he give you give you a little some little crumbs to chew on while, while yeah, you, just you yeah just that. whatever feels good it's not going to change yeah. their their core ideology like yeah. they're not going to think about why they support certain things like and that's the important thing is think about why what's the logical conclusion of of what you believe what's what's the impetus for what you believe most people know they're just jumping on the bandwagon yeah emma so I think you guys are talking about two things at the same time. You're talking about corporations who are jumping on social media, uh, sorry, uh, social justice bandwagons. And you're also talking about people who jump on social justice bandwagons. And I think that those are two separate things that have to be considered uh, on different levels. I think that people, it's not necessarily hypocrisy. People have been overworked and like, you know, when you're working multiple jobs and you're just trying to get by and survive, it's difficult to get into activism, no matter how much you believe or agree with something because you're just exhausted. You're just constantly trying to survive and going out to protests or going out and trying to change the world, trying to call people. It's a lot. Um, give me a second, Jess, I've got a little bit more to say. Uh, I also think that corporations, when they do that, a lot of it has to do with making money. They know that it's popular. They know that they'll get people to buy their product if they put up the right banner. Uh, but I also think that it leads to a culture where, it's, where things like this are normalized. I think that corporations that you know contribute all this money to things like Pride, for instance, it's the one that I know more about. I, yes, just like HSBC flying a rainbow flag is not going to do that much. But when you've got all these corporations that are putting money into this, then the movement as a whole, like that gets these donations, has more money to lay up to lobby for what they want, and the corporations start to create groups within their company for helping people who are LGBT or whatever else. Um, I think that. It's about little pieces of movement and a corporation is not gonna be able to change education in a place that they're not in, for instance. So this is like a little bit that they can do. I think that everyone kind of mar like going in the right direction creates more of a culture of change. Uh, it's not enough in terms of a person if they're just gonna pick it up for now, put up their black square, be done, and then like not do anything else. Of course, that's some bullshit. But um, if you're only just getting into activism now because this is when you have the time, I don't think that's hypocritical or ridiculous at all. Okay, Joe? Uh, Jess had his hands up first, so let Jess go first. Yes, sorry. There's a lot there to unpack, but I'm just going to disagree with most of that and say that the corporations aren't doing it that's moving us in the right direction. Like you kept saying, oh, as long as it gets us in the right direction. Well, it may be what you think is the right direction, but there's a lot of people that may not agree with you. So we don't know objectively what the right direction is which we used to enjoy that companies didn't take a stand so we could just use their products. Now we have to be shamed if we use a company's product. That, that seems a little morally wrong. It, it's mob rule. They're bullying companies to do what they want. That's it. And if you don't do it, as we're seeing with Facebook, it's boycott. That's it. You don't agree with my ideology, you're fucking canceled. And that's exactly what they're trying to do to Facebook. Okay, Joe, and then I'll go to Chris. Well, I think uh, uh, Jess does have a certain point about the uh, cancel culture uh, trying to run through things. But uh, since we were talking about people jumping on bandwagons and all that, I think a lot of the times when you see uh, specific agendas changing the message or trying to change the message or making the message way more scattershot than what it should be, 
don't think that sometimes that's being done, not being done on purpose. Uh, the, if you you try to dilute the uh, the core of the message, uh, then that's how things die out. And that's, you know, and the, they've tried it for many different uh, um, agendas over the years. And a lot of times it's worked. A lot of times it's disappeared. And a lot of things that people were fighting for just 10 years ago or so, we've, we've forgotten about because a lot of people jump on board and they find their own little thing and then they bring it off here and bring it off here and bring it off here and then we lose the point. And my whole thing is, guys, let's not lose the point. Mm -hmm. Chris, did you want to say something? Yeah, I was just going to say, like, corporations can do more and essentially, you know, uh, uh, moving forward, you know what I'm saying? Like, not only can they put a banner up on their website and, and hire more people, uh, you know, diverse and things like that in their offices, but they can also put money towards, you know, uh, uh, politicians and things like that who are go are, are trying to go for that change and are trying to do reform. So that's really where they can help is putting their money where their mouth is because, you know, it's one thing to say, like, we support the movement, but, like, if you're not really supporting the movement other than just saying you support the movement, like, then you're you're just doing it for clout. So you know for, for future reference, Chris, yeah, just, and I don't get on your case a lot because we're usually on the same page, but yeah. uh, for future reference, does that mean you support money in politics, like lobbying? that the company should be lobbying and buying politicians. I mean, I don't support it, but that's the way, that's the game of, that's the nature of the business. That's Cause I'm going to, I'm going to do a callback on this one. No, no, no. One I day. know what you're saying. Like, no, no, no. I know what you're saying. And I, I know what you're saying. Like, it, it, like I'm not, I'm not, I'm not a, a huge fan of it. Like I understand that that money equals corruption in a lot of ways, but if that's the way that the game is played, at least put your money in the right direction and do your research and, and, and try to implement change. Yeah, again, that that's the right direction. We're just trusting that this company with all this money and political access is right. going to do the right thing. Like, we're also trusting this the person that they're putting the money into. Right. Well. So it's like, oh, that's way too yeah. much. Yeah, I understand what you're saying. Hey, Emma? Uh, this is a very weird point for me to be arguing, but why shouldn't the company be allowed to put their money wherever they want to? If they're a private company, like the right direction is whatever the person who holds the money says it is. No, like, I don't always agree. Yeah, no, like no, Chick-fil-A I... is like put some money to stuff that I don't agree is the right direction and they, they do. And I don't like it. I don't eat there, but like, that's their prerogative. Uh, the right direction is, like for me is what I think it is like, and I will go with companies that agree with me on that. Uh, there is no, it's difficult to say what right or wrong is uh, if you're not going to go by a personal moral code. Um, but the idea that people shouldn't be trying to make change for what they think is better in the circles where they have influence uh, just doesn't seem realistic, let alone right. No, I'm, but I'm not, I'm not saying uh, that they shouldn't you know, or they shouldn't be able to use their money where they want to. But I'm saying is, if you don't sit there and say you support the cause, if you're not donating money to the cause, that's what I'm trying to figure out. Because I, I see a lot of these companies that are like, we support Black Lives Matter. And then you go and look at, you know, where they're spending their money. And it's nowhere near that. It's not even, they're not donating to like, Black colleges or, or, or anything like that nature either. So it's like, what do you really support other than just saying you support? That's my whole thing. Is right now, a lot of people are virtue signaling and putting BLM banners and movies up and things of that nature. But like when, when, when that settles and COVID is over and we're going back to our lives to some sort of, what true support are you going to be showing? And that's, that's where I'm skeptical. I totally hear what you're saying. I just think that for a lot of these companies, often the choice would be between putting up the banner and doing nothing or just doing nothing full stop. 
And between those two, I would rather they put up the banner. I'd rather you do nothing. I'd rather you do nothing because then I know that you just about your money, your business, and you're not saying that you're going to stand up for something because, you know, you stand up for green, the the color of money. Which is your job. Bring me cheap products. Yeah. Yeah. That's your job. You know what I'm saying? I don't need you to take it. I don't need Shea Moisture to be like, we, we, we support our Nubian goddesses. Like, just sell me some lotion. This shit works fine. I don't need you to tell me that you support my Nubian skin. It's just like, I couldn't imagine what it's like from your perspective, but from my perspective, it looks like, like shameless pandering. In some ways, yeah. So, but, but as I was saying, it's, it's, it's easy to say that now. It's really the, the later, of, you know, how we can really form our opinions. So here's the thing. If you're speaking out now, you better be speaking out later, especially when it comes to November and we're voting to, for these, right? Like, you better be, you better put your money where your mouth is in that situation, too. So, for BLM, I don't know what it's like to be Black, but uh, all I can speak to is something like Pride, where they do do something similar every June. And mm. I can tell you that all these companies having Pride stuff out there does make me feel more included in society. That's um, so it might be more of a personal thing, uh, but then it becomes a personal thing as opposed to a cause of morality. Yeah, it's also, but it's also the companies who are putting the banners up for uh, uh, Pride and then are also going into the voting booths and voting against those same people having rights. And, and like, you know, those same people who are like, oh, we support uh, all our brothers and sisters in the alphabet. And then they go and vote to make sure that young motherfuckers can't get married and shit. So uh, that's what I'm saying. Like, yeah, be, be ideologically it. consistent or don't pick a side and just do your job. Yeah. Okay, so will this ultimately lead to any changes by Facebook? And if the company does bow down to the pressure, does it lose some of its ability to claim to be an open forum for ideas? Yeah, just real quick. I think I touched on that at the very first part was I hope they stay an open platform because otherwise they're not. They're a publisher. It's an editorial. Or I mean, yeah, yeah. Then it's basically an editorial. Mm-hmm. Okay. <laughs> So a lot of criticism about the situation falls squarely on Mark Zuckerberg, as he has been the catalyst in allowing Trump's post to stay up. Will he or should he be the one who pays the price for this? And can you see the possibility of him being asked to step down from his own company? Any thoughts on him? Go back to you, Jeff. (laughs) If nobody's going to say it, I hope hope not. I mean, that... So again, that'll be another win for the mob. It'll be nobody safe. And and that is scary. You guys just go to Wikipedia and look up the French Revolution. Like this sh- this shit is scary. Okay. Oh, Chris. Uh real quick. I, I yeah, I don't know. First of all, Mark Zuckerberg is not really a human being. Like if you if you ever watch him at interviews, it doesn't really look like it's all computing up here. He's just like, one of these days is gonna like open his yeah. arm, do the Terminator. Yeah. <laughs> I don't I don't I'm not sure he understands how human beings work because when people are talking to him, it looks like he's just studying them, like, what is this? What are, what are these emotions? what are these words coming out of you? Interesting so like, emotion, Earthling. <laughs> I don't know, man. Like I, I but like all jokes aside, like no, he he doesn't like it can't follow him. You can't ask him to step down. Like this, the whole reason he started this business is for that freedom. So to tell him that he can't have that anymore is basically saying, well, then he can't have this business anymore. You're telling him he can't run his business. That's what you're telling him. Okay. So I have one final question about this topic. Um, Conservative groups are calling this a partisan liberal attack on free speech and are urging like-minded people to move to a social media site called Parler which doesn't censor far-right hate speech, alt-right conspiracy information, 
anti-Semitic, anti-feminist, anti-Muslim rhetoric. Could this boycott further create a wedge between conservative? Back to you, Jess. Oh, um, couldn't hear you. I heard somebody's chair squeaking. I thought it was mine. Uh, First of all, I feel like the question is a little misleading. It's it's as if like the only people that are going to use parlor is alt right, uh, you know, anti Muslim and and all that. It the whole point of parlor is totally free speech. So like they're not going to stop uh, anti alt right. They're not going to start uh, you know stop anti you know pro feminist or pro Muslim. They're going to stop pro communist or progressive people, like. Just because it's an even platform, why why is that a bad thing? Well, from my understanding, and um, Parler was started by a man who was banned by um, all social media platforms because of his alt right, you know, views and I mean, right. But if the commitment is to free speech, does it matter? Well, no, but that's why. I mean, I just yeah. I raise the question, so you know, yeah, no. I mean, what's what's the alternative? Do we do do we say that like you know? you know, anti-feminist speech, we can't have that anymore? Like, what? Okay, Emma? I mean, all of this is theoretically meant for fun anyway. Uh, Listen, is anyone going to, like, ban progressives from this site? Probably not. But am I going to want to go to a website where people are freely calling me a bitch for being a feminist? Probably not. So you don't go to Twitter? (laughs) No, I usually don't. (laughs) Because both of those sites are just echo chambers. Like you subscribe to the stuff you want to see and it gives you exactly what you want to see. Mm-hmm. Chris? Uh, I think, I mean, honestly, that, that idea kind of scares me more than, than anything because, you know, if, 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 you, if you like, it's one that's like almost division. Like if you, if you ban all these people who have this different I- idea than you and you put them in one area and then they can just come together and start talking all this hate and together just in the same certain it's just uh, just a rigmarole of of hate speech and that 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 you agree with because that's the side that you chose to be on that's going to cause way more problems and it's going to leak over into other things that that in our society is going to be way more dangerous so like maybe you know because at least if a person who may be on the right side you know, they may not agree with somebody on the left, but somebody could post something where they could see a different view and be like, all right, but maybe I was wrong about that and, and start to, you know, at least open their mind. But if it's just nothing but the same kind of rhetoric all over again, and the same thing on the liberal side, like that's just dangerous. That's just dangerous on a human level because human beings are very susceptible to, 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 to shit like that. And, 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 you know, if it's all hate, hate, next thing's next step is, is violence. And you don't want motherfuckers... Uh, uh, back on the streets, you know, with guns and, 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 and hatred in their hearts, ready to like take down a group of people. Yeah, that's a, that's a good point. Emma? I mean, we already see that. There was that photo that came out this weekend of like the two older white people with the guns, uh, but they went and threatened protesters with them. Like we're already seeing oh, that kind of violence. Whoa, we had... Pro- protesters broke onto their property. <laughs> they oh, were trespassing. I about that part. Yeah, that's because the mainstream, like, that's because corporate media won't tell you that. Okay, but, I mean, but they broke I, down an iron gate, like a large iron gate to get onto their private property. If somebody <laughs> broke down my front door, which is my large iron gate, they're going to be met with force, period. But did they actually get on the property or did they walk yes. in the property? Because there's a yeah. lot of people that show that they walked in front of their property. So. No, no, they broke down the gate 
even just look at the aerial view you have to break down a gate to get to that lawn that they were on that all the the news media has so they were trespassing they were on this person's property so okay so this particular example wasn't great there's tons of others the guy who threatened protesters in front of city hall on perfectly public property with a chainsaw because he doesn't like what they're doing there's that guy dylan roof went to a black church and shot a ton of people like Violence happens against- Both psychopaths, <laughs> obviously. But it happens. What I, The point I'm going for is that these spaces have already existed on the internet for a long time. It was 4chan and it was parts of Reddit. Like if people want, if people already believe that they're gonna find themselves in that rabbit hole anyway, I don't think it's gonna necessarily get more dangerous because people are already being killed for this kind of shit. Okay, anybody? Oh, Joe, sorry, <laughs> I didn't see you. Um, you know, I, it, I, I kind of agree with Jess to a certain point here. Uh, if you go back to the people versus Larry Flint, the whole reason we have free speech is to protect the speech that's unpopular, not the speech that's popular. And a lot of times right now, the popular speech is to dump on President Trump. I'm, I do it all the time, too, because I'm a copywriter. And when you dump on it enough times and those followers need a place to go, and that's where they're going to go. So don't say that, uh, like, like I have no problem with parlor to a point because they need to go somewhere. And like Jess says, you're still going to filter out what you're going to hear, what you want to hear. And as for the people that are crazy with the hate and stuff like that, they're finding it already on the internet. They've been finding it for ever since the internet came about. And there's nothing that's going to do to change that because there's still people that think that there's a pedophile ring at the bottom of a pizza restaurant in Virginia uh, that's run by Hillary Clinton. And we all know that that's not the case, but hey, um, you know, the, that's what's going on. So I really don't have any problem with Parler as long it's because there, there's that side's going to need, uh, they need something to, to go to. I mean, that's yeah. what's going to happen. It's, 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 it's like the Netflix for Christians. It's the same thing. <laughs> not not just that but the real danger the real danger is the censorship because even if you're saying like well we're fucking woke as fuck now you know it's 2020 we're all woke and uh we just uh, we're gonna appropriate the censorship czar and that guy or his team or lady or lgbt person whoever it is uh is gonna do the right thing and knows what the truth is well what if we did that 30 40 50 60 years ago and we had this censorship czar that at the time was woke and knew what the right thing to do was like that's terrifying. Think about it. Even just 20 years ago, if we gave that power to the government or corporation or whatever we're talking about, the right or power to censor, 20 years ago, what would that look like right now? It's it's horrifying. The we only way we grow is with, like Joseph. Blacklist, dude. Say what? Like we did in the 50s. We did so much censoring that right. anybody that was a communist. And then what happened? You didn't like the guy down the street. You called him a communist. And then all of a sudden they're being investigated. That was like that's the original what cancel culture. So, but yeah, so, but, but, but I mean, that happened as the government was actually doing. It wasn't cancel culture. A whole bunch of writers in Hollywood and actors and all that all lost their freaking job because they put them on a blacklist. And they were putting unions on a blacklist. So if you were a part of a union, you all of a sudden didn't have a job. So. You know, maybe there was, a, you don't call it cancel culture, but that's what it was back then, too. No, so. that's what I said. I, that was the original cancel culture. Yeah. But that, so that highlights my point. The more power we give to sen to censor, the worse off we're going to be because we don't know what the world's going to look like in 30 years. And like you had said, uh, offensive speech is really how we grow. That's how you know, that's how you can uh, like navigate. That's how you find your true north because otherwise, how are you going to do it? Okay, guys, I need to move on to our next segment. Um, it's time for today's Just One Question. I'm going to pick some of the topics from the top of the show and ask you 
one question about that topic. Over the weekend, the New York Times and Wall Street Journal reported that back in March, Trump was told by his intelligence officers that Russia had placed a bounty on American soldiers in Afghanistan and that money had been paid out for the killings of some U.S. servicemen. To date, nothing has been done to confront Russia. Trump and his people have spent the better part of the last two days claiming that he was never told this information, something that over 20 news agencies have all confirmed. My question is, what would be worse? That Trump was told about this information and did absolutely nothing, or his intelligence agencies decided not to tell him because they knew he would do nothing or worse, he might alert Vladimir Putin. Thoughts? Jess? Alert Vladimir Putin to what? If Vladimir Putin actually did this, then he already knows. The newspapers are already reporting on it. But what the newspapers are saying is, uh, according to sources at the CIA say there might be these things happen. We don't know yet. It's all fucking speculation. And what's more than likely is uh, this is some kind of leak or something out of the CIA. You can't trust them. There's no way. Okay. Now, but is it also a problem with trusting Trump? Too? Like well, you, you shouldn't trust any of these people. None. Yeah, it could be his, because of his track record. But you not know? even the corporate media, because they're reporting on it like, like the Wall Street Journal is saying that according to the New York Times, and then the New York Times says, according to the CIA, and the CIA says, there might be, it's like everybody's reporting on the, these things that are facts and whipping people up into a frenzy. Maybe the reason Donald Trump never heard about it is because it didn't fucking happen. Okay. Uh, Chris? You're muted. Yeah, yeah, I got it. We got it. I, my computer. Anyway, okay, let me, being a, a veteran myself, let me tell you something about military intelligence. It is flimsy at best at times, okay? <laughs> like, I want to tell you right now, because sometimes we got some intel that 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 just, it sounded like a, a, a supervillain wrote it down and gave it to us. We're like, what? And we still had to go investigate it. And, and the coordinates were wrong. The information we got was all wrong. You know, we were told it was a house full of men. There's like 80 women in it. Like, it just, it's just... It, in, in military intelligence, it's not the greatest sometimes, you know what I mean? And in a sense of this situation, like, okay. And then also on this other side, there is good intel and we've been able to use that intel to accomplish certain missions and and, 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 and stop certain bad things from happening in the future, uh, especially to our troops and things of that nature. Uh, but in the situation, though, if we're talking about this situation, like, you know, this, this intel could have came down from some local dickhead in the village who doesn't like somebody or like knows that somebody, you know, it's like part Russian from when the Russians came into Afghanistan and like raped and pillaged shit and then left. Uh, so it's, it's kind of hard. Like, yes, I, we can't trust him because we don't know what, what his reaction would be mm -hmm. in regards to, you know, rectifying the situation. But uh, again, you know, how how do like what and what and even in the cia too like because a lot of times too believe it or not they get their information from the military on um, especially in, in in venues like afghanistan and iraq and that's like again i just told you before it's not always solid intel so if you have like intel that's like 
40 to 50 percent solid and you bring it to the CIA, they do a little investigation, they may be up that by another 10 percent. Are you going to bring that to the commander in chief when you don't have 100 percent confirmation on that? It just doesn't make any sense intellectually. Uh-huh. I guess, you know, the reason why we're, you know, we're talking about this today and we are asking this question is because the government is actually not disputing that this actually did happen. I right. mean, during the press briefing, you know, they talked about, you know, but they were saying that, you know, they never disputed. Did that they confirm it? Right. But it's also the did same. Incident. How many times did they say they found bin Laden over the, the 10 years yeah. before they actually executed him? But, the, but they confirmed but they confirmed it, though. That's- yeah, they confirmed the bunkers that he lived in, too. And then they went there and nobody was there. All right, Chris, I'm talking about this particular case, what we're talking about right now, that they yeah. did confirm it, but they're just saying, you know what? Like, he didn't know anything about it. So, again, the reason why we asked this question is because, so, you know, okay, if the government confirmed that this was happening, did they tell Trump or they or did he just not know anything about Wait, it? Wait, you said if they confirmed it or they did confirm no, it? No, they did confirm it. No, you and- said they... No, I'm sorry. They- they did no. It, it has been confirmed that they did say that there's no dispute about it. But what well, whoa, is that so misleading? They confirmed that there's no dispute. So not disputing something isn't saying that it's true. You're just saying I'm not going to confirm nor deny it. The thing, okay. The press secretary confirmed that this in fact happened. That's okay. what I'm trying to say. She talked about it today during the press briefing. But again. The question is, the question is, you know, did he know about it or did they just not tell him about it? Like, did he, is he really as innocent as like, oh, I didn't know anything about it because nothing- Do you think that that would really happen, Veronica? Yes. In his yes. White House? Yes. No, yes. I don't. Yes, absolutely. I, I absolutely. think that he, I think that he is much more self-centered than that, where he would want things, he would want it, whether or not he read it, I think he would want it there. So. He because he feels to me like somebody who would have it read to him. It would be somebody else's job to know the intel and then give him a rundown of it yeah, in a speech. Read. And then he would get bored and tell them to stop. That to me sounds more like what would be happening and what happens in the morning daily for some person who works in that White House. Because I know he doesn't read that. So it's some cabinet member's job to give him a verbal rundown and, and until he's no longer occupied because this man, I mean, it, it, even if in theory this was going on, that's already a heinous act. And then we have to add to the fact that, you know, he knew about it. And then they're concerned that if he would call his Russian bestie and be like, have a conversation with Putin about what though? That's the thing I don't understand. I mean, Putin would know if he was killing people and paying people off. I mean, unless Donald Trump was getting a deal on the back end, which we know he's not that crafty with deals. Okay, Joe. All right, uh, let's, uh, when we go back to saying confirmed, all that the government was saying was that they confirmed that they had a piece of intel. They did not know if this piece of intel was correct. Right. Uh, that's what I want to say. They said they were confirmed they had this intel. They have not, they cannot say whether the intel was correct or not. Uh, I think the Times, the big problem here is that if you read the Times article, there's a lot of really vague stuff in it. I think they got this little piece here, but they don't have the resources anymore like they used to years and years ago to like do a deep dive. And also if they do a deep dive, by the time they're done, it's going to be past the election. So I think they jumped on it without Knowing that because yes, they can the government confirmed they had this intel, but they not are not saying that this intel is correct. They just had the intel and they don't have any proof yet of whether it's true or not. 
Um, now, should I have told the president? I would think so, but I think it's it's also one of those things where it's like, well, we don't know this is true yet. And then also the next thing you know, Trump's on his phone tweeting about it. So uh, uh, that's the situation. But I wanted to correct the fact that it was like, yeah, we had intel. We did not know if this intel was correct or not. We just had this intel. It's just like, hey, some guy told me, and that's what they're confirming. Okay, so they did have this intel, but again, they didn't tell him about this. That's, mm. Is that what they're trying to say? Yeah. I mean, they knew. I mean, that's, I just want to make sure that we're all on the same page. So, right. yes, you wanted to jump in. Go ahead. That's, that's fine. I love how you guys push back on me. Like, oh, no, it's totally confirmed. Then Joe's like, no, no, it's not. And you're like, oh, okay. Yeah. Well, no, I mean, I'm trying to clarify. Oh, okay. <laughs> you know, I'm trying to clarify. Yeah. That's what we're talking yeah. about yeah. right now. Okay. So, again, like I said, I guess my main question was, you know, so like Joe's, like you're saying, okay, they did have this intel, but did they not? I like, I mean, I do believe that, you know, they pop, you know, maybe they didn't tell him for whatever reason, like you said, you know, just like everything that, you know, because every, how should I say this? Everything that he does, like when he retweeted that video today, I'm sorry, this weekend, sorry, I'm, I'm off track right now. The white lights, what was it? The one with those people in Florida? I genuinely the White power golf carts, because that, that just fit perfectly. White power coming out of a golf cart. Yeah. When I retweeted, I mean, when he retweeted that, I honestly don't think he even realized what he was tweeting just because he saw Trump on there. He's like, I'm just going to retweet it again. I, but that's what I'm trying to say. You know? Yeah. It's just like Shane said, and is there's no way he read anything. That's not happening. The guy doesn't even read readers digest. He probably didn't sit through a comic book. I mean, let's be real, but does it matter if he heard? First of all, he doesn't have a duty to come out to the public and be like, guess what? I just heard that Putin's, uh, you know, putting hit, hit jobs on our soldiers. Well, first of all, they're at war and it's the Afghani's job to kill our guys there. So they're trying to kill us anyways. And B, I mean, there may be a plan to stop this and we don't want to signal it to the bad guys. Who knows? Like that part. Okay that part yeah I was, I was saying the same thing it's like there's 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 all kinds of reasons that they may not have told them because like again and also too like a lot of people don't know that the CIA, CIA operates a lot of times uh without and op, there's a lot of operations that go on especially in foreign countries that the the government that the president is not privy to just for plausible deniability so if something goes wrong the president can say, I never knew it was going wrong. And then they can cover it up or they could, you know, neutralize the situation without anybody having to take a, 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 a blame for it. I mean, that's why you go to CIA when agents die, they just get a black star with no name and the yeah, day man. that they die. You know what I'm saying? So the, all, this shit happens all the time. So they probably read him a brief and just, and, 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 and gave him a summary of what they did find. But, you know, with it not being solid, it's, it's hard to, yeah. also or, to Intel is like, like that just said, like, uh, you know, putting that public and enemy seeing that on the news because they get into that shit too. Like that could fuck up a future operation of something that like, no, and they, we, they may have had a soldier embedded in, you know, the same organization that was putting the hits out. But speaking of deep state shenanigans, who's aware that the CIA has been, you know, uh, waging a war recently in Somalia? Anybody? Like these are not people we should trust or believe. They're killing innocent civilians with drone strikes in Somalia right now. <laughs> I don't trust anything they're saying. Let's yeah. move on to Broadway. <laughs> Let's get out of this topic now. Broadway will not reopen this year, according to Broadway League, who coordinates the theater community in New York. 
With that in mind, should other major cities like Los Angeles cancel all large scale theater through the end of this year as well? Any thoughts on Broadway canceling all their shows for the rest of the year? Joe. It's coming to the other, it's coming to the other cities. I mean, uh, I was actually excited that I was going to get to see Hamilton live this year, but that's not going to happen. So I think you're going to see that the other cities are going to follow suit. You're not going to see any uh, any live stuff here. The good news is that you can see Hamilton on Disney Plus in a couple days. The bad news is you can also see Cats. Uh, so, I mean, there's there's there, you can still catch your Broadway if you really have to have it. Um, there's a really great Broadway streaming service. If you're really a Broadway nut and you really need to see something and you're willing to shell out a little bit of money, that's a really great service, actually. So you can do that there. So, you know what? Right now, we all got to make our sacrifices. I have to make my Disney sacrifice. So fuck you guys. You're not getting your Broadway if I can't get my roller coaster. Why don't they just do it on Zoom? <laughs> I just wish the Robinson Theater would stop calling us because they want us to renew our subscription because, you know, we're, we have the packages there. But it's, I'm sure it's going to be coming soon. They're going to be telling us that it's not going to be happening this year. Um, I love the Amundsen, though. I'm not saying anything bad about them. Okay, uh, Shana. Well, I was going to say, yeah, because I'm I'm a supporter of the Amundsen too. I have, I'm a season I'm a season ticketer because I love the musicals. But I was going to say most of the shows that come to the Amundsen and the Taper, they're they're tours, so that would be very difficult to have um, a touring company come through because most of the tours, even though they're here for a little bit of time, I mean they're only here for like two months for some of them, and some are even shorter. Some are, you know, three weeks for some so it's like that's really fast like frozen that was here i mean we because we have la and then orange county so if you really wanted to you could go down to sagenstum and see them again <laughs> down there as opposed to just being at the pantages or the amundsen or the taper or any of that but i i think because all the tours all of that's gonna um probably if they haven't already they're not going to be going and doing stuff, I think, and if anything, if there was any kind of theater, which I don't think it would be, you know, people doing readings at, via Zoom and being able to drop in for that, right. you know, that's the only thing I could think that they could do, you know, um, I mean, and it's really hard because there were some great plays that I was hoping to see, like Who's Afraid of G Virginia Woolf closed had to, because they were in previews. And I mean, that would was, that's one of my favorite shows. I love Edward Albee. So I'm sad about that. Um, Emma. Yeah, uh, on that, like in that, to jump off that, wow, I can't words today at all. Uh, so many of those tours operate out of New York. Those actors live in New York, like they, that's where they're contracted. And New York is getting better. And so they're being more cautious about who's allowed back into the city after, or like who's allowed into New York after, from being somewhere else no tour is going to have their actors go to a ton of other states and po probably pick up COVID and spread it to the rest of the acting community and the rest of the producing community so that everyone there gets sick again. Like that's just deeply unlikely. Uh, I'm sure there will be some Zoom specials. There's that one for Stephen Sondheim where they got a bunch of stars to like sing or do readings or whatever. I'm sure there'll be stuff like that. Um, but in terms of live theater, especially as cases are on the rise, the idea of hundreds of people being packed together in a big theater like the Amundsen and the Bandages, like, that's insane. That's not going to happen. No. Natalia. Thank you. Um, I think there's two things here. One, the first thing is it's really hard for theaters already to be profitable with 100% capacity. 
if they're, you know, starting to do 30% capacity, there's no way they can be profitable. So it's actually better for them to be closed than to open, you know, a certain amount of weeks. And the other thing is what you guys talked about. It's like, there's all these actors that are being put at risk. And like with, with films, you can kind of fake the whole like social distancing thing because you can shoot from one angle, but you cannot fake that in theater. And there's with big musical, there's so many actors. And what are you gonna do? Quarantine all the actors to like stay indoors in the theater and not tour. So it's virtually impossible to open until there is a vaccine or an actual cure, I think. Yeah, good point. Um, May. Um, yeah, just real quick, like my mom works for a theater up in Oregon and her town is where they have the Shakespeare Festival as well. And her theater is not closed down, but um, all their shows, they get their actors through equity and they come from all over the world. And equity, since this has started, has said, absolutely not, no traveling, um, no performing, no, I mean, it's, they're putting, they put their foot down. So I think, um, you know, I think the unions are going to be basically be stopping this from, from coming back for a long while. And I, it, you know, it's only getting worse. So, um, I can't see, I can't see theaters being able to open anytime soon. Yeah. And I just want to read what Danny's saying online. He says, I'll just wait for TMI to go back to the theater. That will be worth the wait. Thanks, Danny. It's going to be a while. It's going to be a while. It's going to has decided to pause for now, producing their very popular half-sheet cakes because they are mostly used for large gathering celebrations. And the company does not want to be seen as encouraging that type of behavior during the pandemic. Is this the right thing to do, or is this a case of a company injecting their opinion into our daily lives? By the way, those cakes are really good. <laughs> okay, go ahead, Joe. Uh, okay, Costco wants to get rid of their half sheet cake, but you can still get that 10 pounds of mayonnaise. I'm pretty sure that 10 pounds of mayonnaise <laughs> is used in a large, large gathering as well, because otherwise, damn. <laughs> I mean, you know, they got the giant ketchup and they got all that stuff. Come on, you, you can't do one and not the other. That's just kind of silly. And you know what? I, I, I'll admit it. That cheat cake ain't bad. It really isn't that bad. It's pretty good. <laughs> Emma? Uh, the idea that these cheat cakes are only for large gatherings is some weak-ass bullshit. I bet you I could take one of those on my own. Uh, I wouldn't perfect. feel good about it, but I could. Uh also, like, listen, the, so they chose not to create a product that's probably not getting a ton of demand in this time anyway. Like, fuck it, they're a private company that can produce what they want. Mm -hmm. Okay, anybody now, else? What about preppers with a sweet tooth? You can just buy that thing and, you know, put it in the freezer, just take out chunks when you want. <laughs> that's what I do. <laughs> Yeah, I was I was gonna say that say the same thing that 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 Joe said. Like literally, their entire stock is for party purposes. <laughs> like you know, they got you go everything is big, everything is in bulk. So you know, I mean, unless you're just stockpiling for you know the, the next wave of COVID or whatever. And it's also too like, uh, let me tell you something. If people want to get together, she cake ain't gonna stop a motherfucker. And and, <laughs> and 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 I you know it don't matter if there's cake there or not. If people want to be out the house and they want to be together, I mean. Most, most of these graduation ceremonies I'm seeing online, they didn't have no sheet cake. That's true. So, you know, what are they really stopping here? I mean, again, you know, that kind of goes back to the people trying to cover their bottom line. Like, you're taking not one item out of your store just to say, like, hey, I'm not competing. I'm not contributing to, to, the, to the problem. But, like, come on. What are you really, what are you really trying to say? Because people are going to get together no matter what. 
You know what I'm saying? And, and especially uh, here's the thing too. Um, y'all still got samples out. So that's a lot of people that's going to congregate around that table for samples. Okay. So what are you really doing here, Costco? <laughs> Those samples are very good as well. <laughs> like, everybody gets to the samples. So you, you tell me five or six people don't come around the table. Okay. So this past weekend, 38 years ago, two films that were initially panned by critics and bombed at the box office came out. Those two films were Blade Runner and The Thing. Over the years, both films have seen huge resurgence and are now considered to be classic science fiction films and iconic films of their time. Are these two films worth the praise and why do you think it took years for people to change their opinions about them? Uh, yes, Joe. All right, since I have my Blade Runner background behind me, um, Blade Runner is a unique one because I think there's like seven versions of it now. Uh, and you say, is it deserving of the praise? Well, which one? The one that the theater released, the director's cut, there's all these different cuts of it. Um, it's a unique film and it was totally different at the time, which I think was why like nobody got it. And I do thoroughly enjoy it. But I'll tell you, I think the better one of those two that you gave me is The Thing. I think The Thing was straight up, it still had practical effects, uh, the story is pretty easy to turn follow, and it is still, to this day, some of the best horror you can talk about. I mean, people still talk about that head with the spider legs coming out of it, and it's running. It's one of the most iconic, I think one of the most iconic horror pieces, not just sci-fi, like like horror scenes in, in, in cinema. And so the thing is totally deserve it. And I get why they didn't see it at the time, because, hey, you know, it's John Carpenter, and it, it just seemed like... They didn't know where to put it. Is it horror? Is it sci-fi? No, the thing is awesome. Okay, Meg? Yeah, I think there's quite a few movies that, like, didn't do well with the critics and didn't do well at the box office that have ended up being, like, um, have a huge cult following. Like, uh, you know, one of my favorite movies is Boondock Saints, and I think it made, I think it was only in, like, five theaters and it made like $25,000. And I heard of that movie through friends and it was just like hearsay. And um, it's it's a huge following now and they made like a sequel and a, I haven't even seen the sequel, but um, yeah, I think there's a lot of movies like that because people's, people's tastes change. And um, I think we look at certain, you know, certain eras and we idolize them. You know, there's a big thing with nostalgia and, you know, everybody right now is obsessed with like the nineties, which I think, you know, it's great to bring these movies back, but like the fact that we're, you know, remaking Clueless and Twister, I heard, I'm just like, why? Just, just leave, leave the originals alone. Mm -hmm. Jess. Now they're gonna have to remake them with you know a more diverse and woke cast. That's that's first first priority, but I mean that's why they're gonna do it. But as far as uh, Blade Runner, what a yawn fest! It took me almost a decade to get through that. I fell asleep every time I set out to watch that, even though I'm a huge sci-fi fan and like Harrison Ford fan. But man, what a snooze fest! Uh, I I think nobody really actually likes. Blade Runner I think they feel like they have to say they like Blade Runner because it's you know the hip thing to do like people do with the Big Lebowski or Mulholland Drive it's one of those movies you're like what the yeah nobody really likes Blade Runner but I I do agree with uh Joe um uh, Kurt Russell amazing the thing definitely a classic 
Hey, Chris. Obviously, Jess is a replicant. <laughs> no, uh, listen, uh, Jess, I just want to piggyback that. Uh, Blade Runner, fucking snooze fest. I, I even saw the director's cut. I was like, you know what? Let me watch the director's cut. Three hours of pure bullshit. Three whole hours of bullshit, okay? <clears throat> it's like it's like the same thing, because I went to film school. It was like the same thing with Citizen Kane. Oh, Jesus. Whew. Like, that should, that should not be in the realm of classics. You know, if we're talking really classics, bad. yeah, we should be talking about, like, Psycho and shit like that. Like, that was a, like, even though it's an old Hitchcock movie, like, that shit is still fire to this day. Or Ghostbusters. Ghostbusters, fat, yeah. fine. <clears throat> But like here, yeah, and also too, like doing these remakes with a diverse cast doesn't always work. I mean, we saw the new Fantastic Four, did we not? That shit was hella trash. Before I go oh, to the new- one, speaking of remakes, did you guys hear that they're also doing the? Is it the Princess uh, Bride on Quibi, and they're going to be doing it? <laughs> also, another another snooze fest, another fucking snooze fest. That movie is trash and overrated. Like yeah. Lena Dunham. Yeah, <laughs> Jocelyn. How dare you? I love girls. (laughs) Um, No, yeah, I I agree with everyone's sentiments here. Uh, Jess, yeah, Blade Runner is news fest. And um, (laughs) yeah, Chris, I, I, um, Citizen nah. But the thing is where it's at. I really, I watched it recently, like a couple months ago. And I don't know, I really enjoyed it. I loved the pace. I love the pacing. I know that uh, critics can, like, kind of bashed it for that initially um it was a tough year uh that year I, from what i understand because there was like et um there is tron there was like a big year for sci-fi um so it was gandhi being- too so which one there's gandhi okay yeah it was a really tough year um and also it was like during the time of like a recession so like competing against like you know this other alien type movie that was more family friendly and a little more uplifting just didn't you know didn't do so well and for the time I think that people felt the gore and everything was excessive but other people find it really crazy and beautiful and kind of like in a dark way so you know it's really about like the right audiences seeing it and naturally people are going to be catered you know kind of um advertised to to go to theaters are going to be more you know kind of like the general populations whereas if you're like a friend who hears from by word of mouth about this really awesome film you know that friend's probably gonna have more tastes in line with yours. So that's why cult classics become cult classics. Hey, Emma. So I was actually just writing a move, uh, an article about classic anime movies, like for money. But um, it was talk- I, I was talking a lot about um, a bunch of classic anime that like people love today that like are considered some of the like landmark films of the medium that were just total bombs when they came out, like Ghost in the Shell, which you can draw a huge line between that and Blade Runner. Uh, Grave of the Fireflies didn't do that well. Uh, Beautiful film, heartbreaking, will make you sob, but like beautiful film. I think there's a ton of movies out there that like nobody ever really heard of, uh, but like then until they saw it on VHS or whatever. Uh, There's a whole bunch of films out there that were not great at the box office and made their money later. I also would like to point out, just for fun, The Room. Oh yeah. (laughs) <laughs> Samurai Cop <laughs> all time favorite never seen it Teen <laughs> Witch <laughs> dude if you if you like The Room Samurai Cop that's all I'm saying listen Samurai Cop is one of the most amazing things I've ever seen also Blind Fury is an amazing 
bad movie. Yeah. It's, but it's gonna be it's gonna be a classic someday. I don't know when, but it will be. Mm-hmm. New movies that that should be a classic that aren't, but should be number one goes actually way back, but it got lost because it came out when Star Wars came out, and that is the and I I always get made fun of this because I say it, it I say it in my Jersey accent, so I'll try not to. The Sorcerer, not Saucerer, like I normally <laughs> say it, Sorcerer by William Freakin is fantastic. If you like a, a good action movie and the suspense on it is fantastic. And check it out because it got lost because it came out during Star Wars. And the other movie I'd like to point out, Dread. No one went to see Dread. Not Judge Dread. Dread. And Dread is fantastic. Everyone, if you get a chance to see Dread, see it. Okay. Okay, well, everybody, that's our show for today. Thank you so much for joining us. But before we go, I want to wish Tanya Harris a happy birthday. We see her on the top of the show every day. So happy birthday, Tanya. We hope you're having a great day. And we will see you back here again tomorrow at 6 p.m. with our special guest, dancer and choreographer Damian Whitewood. We'll talk to him about his time on Dancing with the Stars and also about him working on the new Perry Mason series on HBO, which, by the way, is fantastic if you haven't seen it. So we're going to have a lunch tomorrow with him. So have a good night. We'll see you guys back here again tomorrow at 6. Bye, everyone. Bye. Bye. Thank you, guys.